Tonight, my topic is struggling with God. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, that, maybe some people just came out for the topic. They were like, I feel like I struggle with God. That's, I felt that way all the time. What's that all about? Anyway, you think God? You think easy. You don't think God, and you think struggle. Have you ever been sort of perplexed by that in terms of what the struggle is? Well, I want to talk about how I even came about to have this teaching topic first because I wasn't too pleased with it. Um, what happened was we're in this series called Jesus Christ the Prequel and what that means. And uh, my nephew came up with the title. He's that fabulous guy in the back working sound. Um, we were talking about how to title the, this series that we're in, which is where I'm doing an overview of the whole Old Testament. And we're like, how do we make that sound exciting? We're doing an overview of the whole Old Testament. Now, what's going to make that sound awesome? Unless people already know that the Old Testament is awesome. So we were thinking, and so he came up with, oh, oh, the New Testament, the prequel. And so, uh, and then it turned into Jesus Christ, the prequel. And it's actually very fitting because the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, tells about God's love for us and him preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ and for his love and what he bring. Now, so we're in the series where I'm, I'm kind of outlined how I'm going to get through the whole Old Testament between now and uh, Thanksgiving time. And tonight I was, this, the topic came up to be Jacob. And I'm like, I don't even like that topic. I'm like, it's Jacob. I, was, I don't like this story. This is just, this story sucks. I'm like, what is exciting about Jacob? And, and, um, but you can't really teach the Old Testament and skip over Jacob. So I was, was, so I'm reading and reading and reading and starting to think to myself, why don't I like this? And then I thought, well, then I'm like, duh, you know, because Jacob, which you're going to see as we go through the story, God actually changes his name to struggles with God. That's what Israel means, is struggles with God. And you've heard of Israel. And, you know, Jacob is, it becomes Israel and becomes the father of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel and everything else. So I'm like, oh, and then I started reading it, and you know what? I started seeing myself in it, and I'm like, this is why I don't like this. This is really uncomfortable, because last week we had this exciting topic. We talked about Abraham, and that he was the father of faith, the father of all those that believe. And that was exciting. We talked about faith, and Abraham's walking with God, and he's seeing these awesome things. And then, of course, and then we hear about Isaac and even some great ways that Isaac, you know, had some faith, um, Abraham's son. And then Isaac has Jacob, which we're going to read about. And it's just rough. It's not so smooth sailing. And we're going to take a look at why, why it is that, you know, what are the ways that sometimes we make life more complicated than it really needs to be in our walk with God? Because I really believe and I've seen in my life, is that I just believe with all my heart that God is love and cares for every single one of us deeply and passionately and fights for us and wants to bless us and make our lives full and rich in every way possible. That's what God wants for, for all of us. And I also believe and have seen that for every person, he's kind of begging them to come walk with him, and that he has many amazing things in store. 
But oftentimes, we fight and resist that and, and against all the blessings that God has and make our life more complicated. And I was thinking, too, because it's, you know, uh, I turned 53. That's the birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, you know, there, being 53, there's, um, you know, I, I'm in a time of reflecting on my life and one of the things that kind of sucks and is sad is how much time I've wasted. You know, I'm a late bloomer. There are a lot of ways that my life has just begun in some ways recently. And that kind of sucks, being 53. I'm just frustrated when I look back. And when I look back, over and over again, it's because God was trying to take me someplace and I wasn't having any of it. You know, I was digging my heels in. I wanted to do my own thing. I was stubborn. I had better plans than God, and so I stayed stuck and not really moving, you know, very far for many, many years of my life, and not really realizing my dreams, because I was so busy with my own plans and figuring things out that I was struggling with God. And so I, as, as I'm looking at the story of Jacob, and I'm like, light bulbs are going off, and I'm like, oh, because this story is, you know, it's not horrible or hideous in a way because God's in it, you know, but it's more Jerry Springer than it should be, you know, (laughs) and my life's been a little Jerry Springer too at times, so um, anyway, let's go, we're going to start off in Genesis 25, and take a look at this, and just in, in this we want to be looking at where God's heart is and his love and where he wants to take us and how we kind of get in the way sometimes of that and make life way more complicated and difficult than it really needs to be. Um, and if you were here last week, we're, we're, as I said, we're trying to do this whole Old Testament overview. We left off with Abraham and he had a son, uh, we had a couple of sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And um, we saw the faith that happened. And so then Abraham wants Isaac to have a good woman, which is kind of a cool thing. He's a dad, and he wants to, his son to marry well. So he goes back to um, help him get a wife, gets a wife, Rebecca, who he loves and is fabulous, and um, seeks God in it. And they're in love. She's beautiful. And in Genesis 25 and verse 19, we see... This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, um, the Bethuel of the Aramean from the Paddan Aram and the sister of Laban and Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Now, I'm assuming, too, that Isaac may have had a little bit of faith because Abraham... And Sarah had the same issue, and uh, God blessed them, and so through faith, they had Isaac. So then it says in verse 22, the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So kind of cool, what she did was she went to inquire of the Lord, which is always a good thing when you're puzzled in life and a little stuck and wondering why things are happening to inquire of the Lord. And in verse 23, it says, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, 
and the older will serve the younger. So this is a prophecy from the Lord, and it's not the way that things are normally done in this time period, where the way that, that the culture was set up is that the younger serve the older, not the other way around. So this prophecy definitely said that, some, that this was going to be a completely different arrangement than the status quo. And in verse 24, it says, When the time came for her to give birth, there were, two, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, which is the word for hairy. hairy. So... <laughs> Uh, after his brother came out with his hand uh, grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Now, Jacob means heel snatcher or supplanter. So uh, this is kind of what a way to start in life. So there's two twins, and we've got the firstborn who normally would have, you know, the, the inheritance, and he's got the name, and there's just a lot more power in being the firstborn in that, that time. And he's got a twin brother who's grabbing his heel trying to pull him ahead to get ahead of him even in the womb or coming out of the womb and so they nicknamed Jacob heel snatcher or supplanter supplanter is somebody that takes the place or overthrows another by deceitful you know means not so straight up so and Jacob was even like proverbially you know throughout the bible was the the word for somebody that's deceptive somebody that's kind of a scam artist so we've got you know a hairy guy and a scam artist that are twins and a red hairy guy, actually. And then Esau, just so you know, his nickname for two reasons was also Edom, which means red. So because he's born red, and you'll see the other reason he's also called Edom. And his, the people that came from his lineage were the Edomites who um, argued all the time and got into battles with Israel over the years. So anyway, um, so he's grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man in the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, this is just messy. You know, in a family, I don't see, there's neither one is really a good situation. Sometimes you might think of guys, guys need their dads, don't they? How, it is not a good thing that your brother or sister is the favorite, and that somehow it's just really apparent. It's hurtful. This is a hurtful family situation that Esau was his dad's favorite. But you know what? It's also hurtful to Esau because boys need their moms too. You know, what is it for a boy that doesn't have a mom that loves him as much as his brother? Either way, this is, these are a lot of the normal things that people get hurt from. Just human stuff, not disastrous, not some you know, trauma like some of the stuff I went through, but there's, but this is still like, these are things that damage people, and, um, and this is a pretty decent family, people that love God, but just screwed up human people, you know, hurt people, hurt people, um, so anyway, so they have their favorites, and in verse 29, it says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished, he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he's also called Edom. So the red stew, Edom means red. So he's named Red because he's born red, and he wants this red stew. So <laughs> it's his nickname. It's his, like, other name. And um, <laughs> in verse 31, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Now, he's asking, he, this is a bowl of lentil soup. And he's saying, 
sure, you can have some soup. Give me your birthright. Now, it's not a small birthright because, as you might remember the story, God made amazing promises to Abraham. I mean, not small. Abraham came from nothing, and God, through because of his faith and because Abraham really sought the Lord, prospered him. So he's a wealthy, powerful guy. You know, rich, rich, rich. In fact, him and Lot, they, there was so much, they couldn't even occupy the same lands. They had to move apart because they had so many servants and people, and they're arguing. And this is rich, really super-duper rich. And these are the offspring, but also there was a promise to Abraham that not only God would take care of him and prosper him, but also his offspring as well. So it's not, when, when he's saying, give me a birthright, it's not like, I don't know, some condo in some hole-in-the-wall place. You know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's big. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like, the, it, you know, I don't know, whatever, the Trumps. It would be like, give me, give me your inheritance or, say, you know, like for a bowl of stew. So, um, so but take, so <laughs> in verse 32, Esau says, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? I'm going to die anyway. I'm so hungry. I can't possibly survive how hungry I am. I will die. So what? So who cares what I'm going to inherit? Wow. Is it, was that a little short-sighted? You know, it's really interesting because, it, you know, this, is, this story has been something, you know, where they talk about Esau and, and selling his, one of the greatest inheritances ever for a bowl of lentil soup. So, <laughs> um, but... This is something that's relatable because I, I don't know, like, it, how often do we take things in our life because that, that seem like way more catastrophic? Have you ever done that? You know, something's going on in your life and you just think it's the end of the world, I'll never get through it, this is horrible, and you're about to sell your soul for whatever will fix and make it feel better or whatever it is. And... You know, so, yeah, I'm about to die. So I would say it's an exaggeration. I would also say, you know, which we're going to see is a lot, is there's no faith in God in that at all. You know, oftentimes when, when we're looking at the circumstances and making them as if they're the most horrible thing ever, where is God in any of that? It says, what good is the birthright to me? And then it says in verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And that was legal, that he transferred everything as far as his entire inheritance. And it says, actually, um, well, actually, I'll just read the rest of it. It says, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, it actually says in the book of Hebrews that, um, that Esau was a godless man for this. You know, that his heart, the fact that his heart was this hard that he would sell something that was so precious that God gave him. And again, you see the heart of God where God was wanting to bless Esau. God had this huge, amazing inheritance in what he was going to give and had promised Esau. And Esau didn't see it, didn't want to see it, and was selling out for a bowl of lentil soup the whole thing. And dismissed everything that God did. And a lot of times, you know, 
again, I can say I get it in looking back in hindsight in a lot of ways where I saw where God had much bigger things in store for me, but my need for immediate gratification or feeling good in the moment sold out the great things where God was trying to lead me just because of momentary feelings, you know? Emotions sometimes or whatever they are, feelings in this, you know, like hunger even, you know, uh, are just temporary. Um, now let's go on to, uh, and, and then so, and then we also see, you know, the deceptiveness of Jacob in that, that, I mean, where's Jacob's faith too in this? You know, because God had promised a lot that Jacob would be blessed through God too. But even the fact that Jacob was kind of maneuvering this way to, you know, it's not loving, it's manipulative. You know, this is just like, you got worse and, you know, you got bad and worse or something. Do you know what I'm saying? This is just two ways where faith and God are not in the part in either way of what these guys were doing. And Jacob even had a promise from God in his mother's womb that he would be in a place where the older would serve the younger. Anyway, um, let's go down to... Uh, <laughs> so time goes on, and in uh, 27, in, we'll go to uh, 27 and verse 1. We, and then, yeah... Um, so Isaac is old, and this is another <laughs> pretty wacky part of this, of this story. And he wants to, in verse um, 1, we'll just read the beginning. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am. He answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out in the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, that I might give you my blessing before I die. And then in verse 5, Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game, blah, blah, blah. So he tells it, and he says, Look, and she says to him, I want you to pretend that you're your brother so that you get the blessing. So where now, again, it kind of runs in the family here. We've got Rebecca kind of being pretty scammy here of not trusting God and wanting to try and manipulate things. There's no faith in that. And trying to lie to her husband and dress Jacob up to pass off for Esau so that he can receive the blessing from his dad. And then we we'll go down to um, verse 20. It says, where are we? Isaac said, and they go back and forth because Isaac's not really buying it. You know, they dress him up in Esau's clothes. And Isaac can't see, but he's like, you don't sound like Esau. You know, and it just sort <laughs> of like, and, and Jacob's like, oh, I am, I am. And just coming up with all kinds of excuses. And they, um, you know, um, and so finally, kind of reluctantly, the dad kind of goes along. And then... Um, in verse 20, Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly? Because he comes back right away because Esau's out hunting. And the mom says, oh, just grab a goat and I'll cook it up and go in there. And he says, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. So a little scam, you put the God card in there. You ever been scammed a lot? The one of the worst ones is when they throw the God card in there. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, how do you trump that? Like, you know, God helped me to bring you this. 
And then, but it's also interesting, too, because you kind of see where Jacob's heart is in this, where he's saying your God as opposed to his God. So at this point, you see the distance in the relationship where Jacob, and you're going to see it progress over time, where there's some relationship with God, but you can kind of see the limitation as far as how much Jacob is bringing God into his life, because there's not really a lot of faith, and he's just sort of trying to maneuver it all by himself, uh, kind of a thing. And then it says... um, Uh, Isaac said to his son Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you're really my son, Esau, or not. He touched him, blah, 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 the voice. And then he comes down to the blessing. And verse, um, so finally, Isaac relents and says, okay. In verse 27, he he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac could smell his clothes, because he was wearing Esau's clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my own son or of smell my son, is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May the Lord give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So, you know, God was going to bless him anyway, but he's not trusting that. So he deceives his dad because the promise was already that he's going to be blessed. He already had the promise of God. So this wasn't necessary to go try and scam his dad about this. So, but he gets the blessing um, anyway. And it's kind of interesting. I mean, and again, because as I, as I was thinking about my life, um, in the, you know, there's many, you know, parts of it. But there was a long time in my life that I wanted success so bad that, you know, it just meant everything. I just sold out in so many ways in terms of, because it meant everything. My self-worth was so attached for so long in making money, and I was somehow thinking that I would have people like me or have more value of myself that I, that I put everything into that, that that became my priority, that became my God. I loved God. I had a relationship with God, but for so much of my life, and God changed my life when I first came to know him. I mean, my life was really, really bad in the, in the earlier days. But so God had really changed my life, and I'd already seen some of God work and seen it. But for years and years, I still wasn't trusting that God was going to take care of me. So I was, oh, I was, I was, I'll tell you, that's why I lied a lot. I lied all the time. I was like one of the most deceitful, scammy people. And I thought I was honest. I didn't even realize the degree of my dishonesty. But when there were things that I wanted and things that I felt were important, I was willing to compromise on that, you know, because I just felt like my need was so great. And things were so important that I, I was willing to compromise over and over. And that's, again, where I was sit, I'm li- looking at Jacob and I go, oh, who does that sound like? And I was just like, oh, yeah. There's no, tr- as I'm reading the story and recognizing God had promised it, but there's no trust there. I'd even gotten to the place in a job of mine. I mean, and this is just like so, um, you know, like a, a typical of, of my life, you know, years ago where... Um, you know, I was in this, I had this contest that, that I'd never won a contest before, and I was like the top salesperson back in the day, and, you know, and, and, but I never won this, a contest, and there was some trip, and, um, and I wanted it so bad, and I thought, and I was worried that I might not have gotten enough sales to make it happen, and, you know, and I, I know God, I was preaching God, I was telling everybody about God in my office and everything else, and, um, 
it was the last minute and the deadline was three o'clock and I thought, oh, I'll just write up some contracts of people that I knew that were gonna renew anyway because they're friends of mine and they won't care because I knew that they're gonna do it. I just didn't have time to get around to it. Somebody saw me and I got fired and it was, and everybody knows I'm a Christian. It was like so, I mean, I, 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 I made myself sick. I was so horrified. Not that, I mean, and guess what? It turns out I had enough sales I would have won that stupid contest. You know, I had it, but not only did I screw up and lose a job and lose the contest, you know, but I made a mockery out of God. You know, I was somebody that loved God and, and was trying to talk about how much he changed my life, and here I was walking out of there looking like, you know, uh, it was just horrifying. And it was a moment that, it was like one of those turning point moments where I just made a commitment and I just also dawned on me about how much I wasn't trusting God. You know, that I was trying to make my way and trying to make it happen on my own and trying to squeeze things together. Do you know what I'm saying? And, you know, like by my own force, get what I wanted. That's how I lived. I lived in so many ways like that in my relating to God where here I'm praying, but I'm not really letting God do anything. I'm just trying to, you know, do it, you know, myself. And so that's what you see there as far as like... Um, Jacob and, you know, how that worked. Let's go to, um, in 27, in verse 14, we see a little bit. So, um, so he does that. He gets the blessing. Wait, did I do that one? Um, oh, no, 28. Yeah, 28. So we see that he gets the, the blessing, and Esau's mad. Esau wants to kill him. And so they come up with a plan where they said, oh, well, Jacob needs a wife from, uh, our, you know, some good people. So they send him home to go find a wife. And they say, Rebecca, go, go. They, they say, go see Rebecca's brother. There's good, marry one of those women over there, and that'll work out better. And then you can get away from Esau, and he won't kill you. So he goes, so Esau goes in chapter 28. Uh, and we're going to look at verse 14. It says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, so Jacob has a dream, and you've heard of Jacob's ladder, and the dream is this ladder that goes to heaven, and there's angels running up and down, and uh, then God speaks in it, in the dream. And it says, and this is the word from the Lord. It says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. So again, we see what God is fighting for. God is fighting for wanting to take him with this enormous blessing in every way. And actually, um, and then we see that Jacob kind of starts getting it in verse 16. Because we don't really see a lot of faith in Jacob's life. Just these little moments. In verse 16, it says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And then he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? The, uh, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And then let's go down to verse 20, which is kind of cool. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, 
Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, we had seen last week, the tithe had not, you know, wasn't like a written, there was no written law at this point, but we had seen Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. But so this was a way of Abraham, I mean, of Jacob saying that he was going to honor God if God was faithful. So he has kind of that thing where he's like, I'll trust you, God, if you do what you say. Like, God gives him a promise, and he's like, mm, okay, we'll kind of see how that works out. And if it does work out, then I'm going to give you 10% of everything that you bless me with. So, and this is actually the last time that we see a prayer of Jacob's until um, a whole bunch of other stuff goes down. So it's almost like he's got, like, his toe in, in the water a little bit, but he's not quite ready to let go and trust God completely, but he's kind of checking, checking it out. And then he goes in and meets Rachel, who's beautiful. And everybody's heard the story of Jacob and Rachel, but we'll kind of read a little bit of it. And everybody talks about this part of it like it's the big love story, which kind of is, I guess. But it's kind of Jerry Springer, too. So, um, so she's really beautiful, and he falls in love. And, he, um, and then it says in... Um, 28 and verse 15, we'll start reading. Laban said to him, because so he goes to see, it's, this is Rebecca's brother Laban, and Rachel is his daughter. And, um, and Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for, for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Now, it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, in some ways, what hit me too is, like, why did he say that even? You know, like, I bet you that could have been easier. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, out of the blue... Like Laban's just saying, well, you know, you should get something. You know, you've been working for me. You should get something. And, he's, and so he comes out with, for seven years, I'll work for you, for your daughter, Rachel. I think, too, oftentimes we want to work a lot harder than what God's got, you know, in terms of blessing. You know, like we have an idea that we've got to pay dues like crazy to be blessed, that we've got to, like, slave away and slave away for God to bless us, that it couldn't possibly you know, be easier than that, because I was just going, that's kind of a, you know, I mean, most people just go, oh, he loved her so much, he was going to work for seven years, and so he waits for her for seven years and works, and, um, and then Laban says, yeah, it's better I give her to you than some other guy, uh, stay here with me, and so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her, seven years went by like days, so he was, he was pretty hot for her. And uh, in verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, uh, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. <laughs> Seven years. He's like, I, I, I've been thinking about this a long time. So <laughs> I want to do some consummating here. And then, um, <laughs> and then Jacob said to Laban, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. And then uh, Laban brought together all the people to the place and gave a feast. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob lay with her, and Laban gave his servant girl, blah, blah, blah. And then in verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, 
What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Now, you know, it's really funny because you ever heard the thing that liars can tell another liar? That's the stupidest thing ever because it is the opposite of that. If you're a liar, you are so much easier to lie to. It's ridiculous because you don't know what the truth looks like. And I know because I've tried it both ways. You know, it's the more that you live in truth and reality, the more it's so much more recognizable. So he's getting played because he's been living his whole life as a little scam artist that he didn't even see it coming. Now, come on. If Laban was going to do this to him, you can't tell me that there weren't signs of dishonesty leading up to now. It's not just, there's not, you know, like all of a sudden somebody's the most honest person ever and all of a sudden out of nowhere after 10 years of not telling a lie, they just do some big whopper and put a scam on somebody. It doesn't work that way. People either either build habits of integrity where they value that or they don't. So it's just sort of like... So I'm like, really, Jacob? You never saw this coming. This is just like, but pretty shocking, I would say, waking up after seven years of working. And then it's just like horrible because it says, you know, Laban says, oh, we have to, you know, can't give the younger without the older. So then he says, work another seven years and you'll have Rachel. But he gets to have Rachel right away. But then he says, which is so sad, in verse 28, he He says, just finish the week with Leah. Now, how hard, can you imagine what that would be like for Leah on her wedding night to get found out and to have the guy be horrified and then to say, just spend the week with her to finish out the wedding and then I'm going to give you her sister. This is Jerry Springer. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't care what the culture's like. People are still people. This is going to feel horrible and degrading and messy. This is not, this cannot be like, oh, God just really wanted this for him as far as a blessing goes. Um, But it came about, you know, a lot because of how Jacob's relating that he set himself up in some ways for this because he, you know, can't. And then also, you know what's really funny too? In this whole thing where you're scamming, and what I've seen for my life, too, is that when there's not faith in it, boundaries are also, it's harder to see boundaries when there's no faith. You know, boundaries and saying, what's my responsibility with somebody else's responsibility? It gets really blurry when there's no trust in God. Because what happens is you try and control other people. And I think that that was at play here, too, in this whole ridiculous setup to, to begin with. You know, instead of just having a conversation with the guy. But there's a whole lot of things that we're going to see because... Laban tries to get him to stay. He winds up staying 20 years through this. They're popping out babies and having baby wars, and it's a mess, man. These two women, you can imagine, it's two sisters. They're sleeping with the same guy. And, you know, one's getting pregnant. One's, you know, first Leah's getting pregnant. Rachel's not. And it's just, it, this, is a, this is not a blessing. This is not what I would call having an awesome life. And he's married, you know, married to in the middle of all this messy stuff and the competitiveness, and it's, you know. And then what happens is he wants to leave, and Laban's like, no, I don't want you to leave, and he's playing games with them, and then uh, he makes a deal for, for the animals, the spotted ones, and then Laban lies to him and takes the spotted ones out. It's just like, it's just one scam after another, and they're just going back and forth, just sort of stuck in this, instead of just saying, no, I'm not okay with this, I'm going to take my women and leave. So he wants to, but he doesn't wind up doing that. And then we're going to see in verse thir- in uh, chapter 31 and verse 
three, the Lord actually tells him to leave in all of this. Uh, but then he winds up sticking around with all these other crazy things happening with the animals. And then, um, so it just gets messy. And then we'll go down to chapter 32 in verse 9. Um, so finally he goes to leave. And he takes off, and he doesn't tell Laban, and then Laban comes after him, and that's a mess too, but, you know, finally it gets peaceful. And then Jacob is, as he's, as he's leaving Laban territory to go back to his home, uh, his hometown, he's getting close to where Esau is, and he's worried and panicking about how his brother Esau is going to receive him, and he gets very, very fearful about this. And so we see the first prayer that we see Jacob have since when he left. Um, and in chapter 32 and verse 9, it says, Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives. I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So you know what's kind of cool about this is because if you're afraid, pray. You know, and... The, the goal is to just bring God into these things for help however you can. You can bring it in in doubt. You can bring it in fear. And even in this, what's also cool that helps faith sometimes, like what he did and what I think is really helpful, is if God's promised something, if there's some promise from God, is to say it whether you believe it or not. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm afraid, but God, you promised this. You said that you would prosper me. You said that you would provide for me. That helps me a lot when I'm having a difficult time and I don't believe it. I just go, but God, I know you said that you would take care of me. I know you said you love me. I know that, you know, I, I've heard that. Help me to believe it to be true. It's a great place to, to come in terms of, especially, you know, this is in, a, in some ways like, a starting point for him bringing God in more in his life from where he's at. Well, you kind of see the progress over the years where he starts acknowledging God a little bit and starts kind of seeing how God's working in it. And he even actually has, um, which we didn't read, but it's kind of cool, where he says um, that he sees where God has blessed him and taking care of him through, uh, through the time. So it's kind of cool. Um, sometimes too, when you look back on your life, I don't know if you've seen this before, but sometimes where I thought, where was God? I haven't seen it because I've been struggling with God and trying to do my own thing. And that's why I'm having the difficulty. So half the time I'm thinking it's God. God's trying to lead me someplace and I'm not having any of it. And I'm like, where are you, God? You know, like I'm trying to get God to fit into my program and make it work. I've come up with the program that I want God to endorse and to bless and to take care of me, and I want him to turn, have it turn out the way that I want him to turn it, have it turn out, and somehow it's not working, and then it's just like, oh God, what happened to you? Where are you? But in hindsight, when you look back sometimes at those times where you see that God really was there and fighting and loving you and fighting for you, and I've definitely seen that in my life as well. Um, 
Let's go, I want to go to this, uh, this last thing because it's kind of funny about where Jacob gets the name Israel. And in chapter 32 and verse 24, he wrestles with God, you know, and I'm thinking, you ever heard that, you know, your arms are too short to box with God? Um, that's, you know, that's kind of a silly saying, but it's the same idea really as Jacob decides he's going to wrestle God. Does that sound like the most ridiculous thing ever? And it, it, it's just sort of, it's so indicative of where Jacob was coming from in terms of trying to do it himself, trying to make it happen by himself, doing all the effort and not really letting go to let God do his part. Well, God has already blessed him, right? And here we see, which is really funny, and I, I, maybe I can relate to this in prayer. Sometimes this is what my prayers look like. Sometimes my prayers look like I'm wrestling with God. He's already given me the promise. He's already told me what it is, and I'm still working at it. Sometimes I'm praying, and I start just doing my to-do list. I'm like, oh, what happened to God in this? I'm just sitting there figuring it all out myself again, just right back to it of just going, oh, how can I fix that? Oh, I'm like little Jacob, you know, trying to straighten everything out and not really letting go and letting God. In chapter 32, in verse 24, I just think this is kind of funny. Um, so Jacob was left alone, and, the man, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. <laughs> but Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, <laughs> then it says, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And it says in Hosea that what it was is that it was God appearing as an angel. So, and in the Old Testament, it, it talked about the fact that you couldn't look at God directly, you know, or, and live, because his glory would just be so phenomenal. So this is sort of an occasion where God shows up as an angel, but Jacob is wrestling with him to get a blessing. Did God bless him already? How many times do we sit there fighting with God over something that he's already given us? Do you know what I mean? Like, where, and, 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 you know, it's just sort of like, and I think it's kind of funny in a way because he's wrestling and he says, it's really, uh, you know, the record says, when the man saw he could not overpower him, I, you know, it's not really overpowered because he just touches his hip and his hip goes. So it's not really like, really like he couldn't overpower Jacob. That's not the reality. I think it's just sort of like he couldn't talk, he couldn't back Jacob down. He couldn't wear him out. He was just all night long wrestling with God and he's like, back off. Like you can't, you know, this is like, you're exhausting. Aren't you exhausted? And so it's just sort of funny that um, God as an angel just, yeah, talk about making it more difficult. God already gave him the blessing, but he's spending all night wrestling with God over it to, you know, to say, God, give me the blessing, give me the blessing. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, God wouldn't have had to hurt his hip there out of uh, wrestle his hip to, to get him to back off. And then he goes and limps away, actually. And then it says, um, 
And then what a wi wild thing to have your name be. Well, now you were like the deceitful person that was the supplanter and the heel snatcher, and now your name is Struggles with God. <laughs> You're the guy that just won't stop fighting me. So, um, but there is, I mean, there's definitely a degree at this point in his life where there is more openness, but I just think it's actually pretty comical. Uh, and then it says, um, the sun rose above him as he passed, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, this day, the Israelites do not eat. Oh, we don't have to read that part. Anyway, so then the last thing I just want to read you is in 35 in verse 9. And we see the blessing of God. And he goes back to Bethel. And it says, here we go. After Jacob had returned from Padamaran, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he talked with him. Jacob set a stone pillar at the place God talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Now, he, he winds up because slowly but surely throughout the record, if it's kind of cool to read it because you can see the detail more. Jacob more and more seeks the Lord, starts getting it that the Lord is blessing him. He even tells a story with the whole spotted animals where he first thought it was like him doing it and then he acknowledges oh this only would have happened if God had you know was doing it for me where his heart starts changing where he sees how much he is desperate for God and needs God and his heart changes and he starts letting God more and more in and so he winds up getting there to the blessing but there's so many things in his life for years and years, 20 years he was with Laban with those two women and the animals and going back and forth it's 20 years of his life you know, mind you, you know, he got to be with Rachel, but it was still challenging. And I think I want to be in the place where I feel, you know, right now, I am really committed as much as possible. I just want to be open to hearing God's voice and to saying yes. You know, I'm tired of struggling with God. It's exhausting. It doesn't work. I'm tired of staying in one place. I want to move. I don't want to stay stuck. I want my life to be about something. I want to go where God is taking me. God has got blessings for every single one of you in wide open places. He's got things in store. He's got promises in you of richness and blessing in every way that he wants to take you to. But it takes getting out of the way and stop trying to do it ourselves and stop trying to battle God and come up with all the answers ourselves and to trust him in this, to let God do the part that, of keeping his promises and trust him in being faithful and seeking him and bringing him in. We, I don't know about you guys, but I get exhausted when I wrestle in that way with God and try and do it myself. God's got so much more in store, I believe, for each and every one of us and wants to take us there on that journey in a way that we can have all that he called us to have. We can be all that he called us to be, that our lives can be full and rich and meaningful. Where's God calling you right now? What's he got in store? Where do you think he wants to take you? You know, this is a time, I, you know, of just think about it, of 
inviting him in more and more. Um, yeah. Anyway, amen. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I cannot believe how much you have redeemed my life in so many ways. Um, from where it was to where it is now, God. Uh, it takes my breath away with thanksgiving for what you have allowed my life to be. I'm sorry I've fought you for so long in so many ways. I feel foolish it, for my stubbornness. But just help me and help all of us, Lord, to let you in more, to trust you and to surrender and to let you take us where you want to take us because you are good and you are loving and that you don't want any bad things for us. You want, you know, life can be easier with you. It really can. It can be smoother. It doesn't, you know, have to be Jerry Springer. So um, I thank you for this time and for everyone here for what a joy it is to be worshiping together and thinking of you and praising you, Lord. And so I thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.